How is new technology transforming our lives, not only at home, but in the office too? I'm Elliot Mizrahi, and welcome to The New CCO. In the final part of our series, exploring future technologies and their impact on the role of the CCO, we're expanding our scope a little. Today, our panelists from the 2018 Page Spring Seminar will be taking a look at the impact these technologies have on our culture and the choices we'll have to make about how they fit into our lives. If you haven't already heard parts one and two of this conversation, I suggest you give those a listen first. Today we'll be picking up with our moderator, Alan Marks of ServiceNow, his colleague, Dave Wright, also from ServiceNow, Lulu Chang Maservi of Trailrunner International, and RJ Pittman with eBay. Okay, well, we'll move into the final section, which really is about culture. And, and we've touched on it earlier, but uh, this idea the technology is real, it's going to happen. How do we need to think about the way it changes our behavior, changes culture, and therefore changes the way we communicate and engage? So um, love to just hear your thoughts on that and examples you see of how are we, you touched on it earlier, how are we thinking about dealing with the cultural impact and the behavioral impacts of some of these technologies? And you had talked about uh, self-driving cars as one example. Sure, I'm, I'm happy to start. And I think just building off the very uh, last uh, couple of examples that, uh, that came from the audience, um, I think for first decoding um, the hype curve and locking in on those that are real, allow us then to um, prepare for adoption. And whether it's adopting it as enterprise technology or adopting it as a consumer value proposition uh, is critical. And, uh, and I'll be open and transparent about this. I've been a, a product and technology guy my whole career, and my relationship with the communications teams uh, in uh, all the companies that I've worked at, including the, the many startups that I've uh, founded, um, has always been dynamic and always been a, um, uh, in sometimes, in some cases, like a very um, uh, hyperbolic relationship in some ways. And, it, and I, and I, and, and what do I mean by that? Um, sort of as a as a product and technologist, my job, I'm sort of paid to come in and invent and see around corners and disrupt um, and be first to market with things. And um, there's a lot of risk and challenges that come with that, that you know, my partners in, in communications for the companies are there to try to help balance out that risk so that you, know, you don't drive the company bus off a cliff, so to speak, or take all your customers down with you with a, you know, a, a technology that might be a little bit premature, but you, you want to get it out there because you want to be you know, in market early and often, and there are plenty of big companies who do this, who break glass and go fast. And, Yes, there can be some downstream uh, you know, kind of uh, implications to that, but there can also be downstream implications if you're, if you're always last to market. Uh, you may not ever be in market again. Um, and so, so one, there's just a, there's a dichotomy there that like if I were sending a message into an audience of communications executives that um, now more than ever in this industry, I think the partnership between product technology and communications is critical. It's critical for that practice to be in the tent and sort of deeply plugged into these technologies, the good, the bad, et cetera. Um, and with uh, the, the wave that, we are, that is upon us now at the power of artificial intelligence, we're way on the other side of the hype side of this curve, like it is in you know, activation mode. 
And so we have to embrace it. We should have the courage to lean in. I don't think it's a career-limiting move at this point. I think it's a career-limiting move if we don't uh, jump in with both feet to really seize this, be part of the conversation, be part of the narrative, but also part of bringing this technology to life in lots of really powerful ways because it's right there at, at our disposal. And Alan, I mean, you gave some examples of how you, you're deploying it in your company right now as well. And it's just the, the tip of the iceberg. Um, it's, it's transformative. And so, and, and what I often find is when that's the case, and interesting enough, with my communication partners uh, at eBay, um, we have a huge role to play in shaping the culture of the company um, between these groups because we're managing all the internal communications. We set the tone for who we are, where we're going, what we're doing, and why. And then I'm sort of the one creating the, the roadmap and the plan for that consumer value proposition, where we're, what we're going to do for our customers. And they're inextricably tied. Um, and I just feel like we're at a, a, a profound inflection point uh, in the industry, certainly when it comes to uh, technology and something as provocative as AI that's creating a field of autonomy that's, you know, putting things out there and challenging us with questions of, you know, which, you know, where, what is the car going to run over this person, this dog, et cetera. Like, we need to be in, in, informed but participating in, in those conversations and embracing the technology now. Just one of the things I believe strongly is the employee experience and the idea of the consumerization of work. And, and that's what we see, particularly if you have a millennial workforce. Everything we enjoy in our personal lives, people want to have at work now. Mm. And so things like bringing a Facebook workplace product into right. work right. is hugely transformative because that's the way we live our lives. And to bring that into the workplace, when we did it at our company, one of the most poignant first examples I got, which we weren't really thinking about, we've got a lot of, we're you know, B2B sales, so we have a lot of people working remotely. I immediately got a a, a Facebook message from an employee working remotely and she said, I've been in this company for five years and for the first time I feel connected to the company because she immediately had a social community of 6,000 people. And so this idea of how do we bring consumer experiences into the workplace and not reinvent the wheel if there's a consumer product out there that is ready for an enterprise application, use what people are already using in their personal lives and it, it is transformative to the employee experience. And I think it ties just one added point to that. Um, when we talk about, I think there are some conversations about millennials and Gen Zs, and when you think about the impact and just you know, the takeover that's about to happen of, of these generations ruling the workplace, you've got to meet them where they are, right? And we're all using this technology, but they're using it even further than that. And why? Because it's hyper-efficient, um, they have, uh, we all have the same finite set of attention units when we wake up in the day, but they are you know, meticulous in the, the usage of their attention units um, with hyper-efficiency. And if you don't have the tools in the, in the organization, you know, you're, not gonna, you're not gonna create a work environment that they wanna be a part of. And you want these, these smart folks in your organizations, that is for sure. I think, for example, we may be seeing the decline of email because yeah. we've, de we've deployed Facebook and Slack at the enterprise level, and it's only been four months, and we're already, it's only been a month for Slack, and we're already seeing a decline in email. And so if you think of that plus voice, you can see on the horizon that a millennial will not use email at all. Yeah. And how does that transform communications and the employee experience? I, I mean, I think one of the things on communications is it'll come down to, it'll come down to choice. I think one, one of the things I always find doesn't work is when you say, hey, this is the system you're gonna use. And everyone's like, well, I don't want to use it. And, and this is, 
this yeah. is this is one of the things that is driven by a generational choice yeah. that the people the, the fact they can make choice is something that defines that generation and, and I remember when um, we built this big design team we brought on like 70 or 80 designers um, all like man buns beards tattoos all not really from the world of enterprise software that we were from and I remember sitting with one of them and walking him through the interface and he said it's pretty complex he said how do you how do you learn to use it? And I said, well, what normally happens is people roll out enterprise software and then there's video training, computer-based training, or there's a road show, and everyone goes around the offices showing people how it works. And, and one of the guys sitting next to him said, he said, so, he said, so it's okay to write software so bad that you have to be trained how to use it. <laughs> and, and that was it. I'm thinking, yeah, this is, the way, this, is the way, this is the way this guy thinks. If he got a piece of software and thought, oh, this is complex, He's just going to throw it away and get another piece that he doesn't think is complex. Right. So I think having that choice is something that, that will drive how people start to consume things. And that never existed. You know, I mean, IT organizations have historically been, in fact, most of them still are, very brittle. And whether they throw up the security card or whatever it is, you know, you come in and we use Microsoft Office and Outlook, and you know, people want to jump out a window. Like, you know, most of them are like, who's used that Office? Who uses that anymore? Um, we brought in uh, Google Docs into eBay, um, which has been a long time Microsoft um, house, if you will, for at the time, like, you know, when we were with PayPal, it was 30,000 employees. This was a big cultural change to bring in a document sharing platform that wasn't you know, these huge bloated pieces of desktop software. Um, but gone were PowerPoints. Gone were 5,000 attachments and uh, 19 revisions of that slide deck that probably you know, some of these are up here today. Um, because it's one document, it's shared, and you have 15 people working on it in real time. At the same time, you can see people correcting my, my spelling as I'm typing. And it, you, know, you, you create these uh, uh, presentations, which everybody hates creating presentations, but if you have to do it, you do it in um, you know, one hundredth of the time and effort, and there's no what we call digital space junk. There's not 10,000 attachments sitting in your inbox, your sent box, your outbox, like, it's crazy. Um, but it was hard to actually get generations yeah. of people that were just so used to doing it a certain way um, to embrace this level of efficiency, but you ha we have to, and we have to. It starts, I think, with giving some choices right. um, because they unlock such incredible productivity. Right. So I've been sitting here listening to the three of us talk and kind of buffering in the background. It leaves me with one takeaway, which is to start, we live in an amazing time. We live in an incredible time. When I was born uh, in, a, in rural China, in a 500-person village, my mom didn't know my gender, not because of the stuff today where you're like, I want to be surprised. You were getting surprised. <laughs> she didn't know my due date. And so I arrived, and around that same time, my dad was asked to test the first computer in China. It was the size of a room, and when he went to test it, he had to take his shoes off to go into the room because dust would mess up the calculations. And then we left China. We didn't see a photo of a family member for a decade, and now, my mom is on WeChat, video chatting with my cousin who works at a drone factory. It's an incredible time. There's a lot happening, and it's all very important. But the takeaway that, that I keep coming back to is, at the end of the day, human connections are still the ones that matter. It's not going away. That's not changed. The human connection is more important than ever. 
That's our job, to manage that human connection. It can't be outsourced, like I said before. And the human connection is more precious than ever. So I, I'm a new mom. And uh, by the way, if somebody knows a magical technology to get a six-month-old to sleep past 4 a.m., email me today. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of parents in this room, but here's a story that really resonated with me. MIT, uh, a sociology professor there, did a study about the time that children connect with their parents in a really special way. There's one specific moment where kids and parents connect, and that's when you as a parent are going to pick up your child from school, and you're waiting outside in the car, and there's a flood of kids coming out. Your child is one in that flood of kids. They come out, they look, they scan, they pick you out of the crowd, and then something very special happens in that moment. They make eye contact with you. They found their person. You wave, you smile, they come over, they get into a car. That connection actually has outsized importance for that child's feeling of being connected to, to their parent. What's happening today is the child finds their parent, and their parent is sitting there doing this, because who's just going to sit there for 20 minutes? So that moment, a lot of times, is lost because the child sees you, you're doing this. So they approach, and here's what's even worse. This is actually heartbreaking. A lot of times, the child gets into the car and wants to start talking about your day, their day, and the parent gives them the finger. Not that finger. This finger. This finger. And so what, what can tend to happen is that we get so wrapped up in these new, exciting technologies that do have real use cases and that are truly transformative, but don't act as a substitute for real human connection. So when we're thinking about at the end of the day, connecting with the audiences that matter, keeping and building and safeguarding that sacred trust uh, in the reputations of our companies. Use every technology that we can get our hands on that works for us. Use everything. But don't get so caught up in the zeros and the ones that we forget that we're carbon-based human beings and end up giving the audiences that matter the finger. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this series of discussions from this year's Page Spring Seminar. We'll continue to bring more of those in the coming weeks, and hope that you'll subscribe for future episodes. Special thanks again go to The Home Depot and to Rivet Smart Audio, our podcast partner, for helping make this season of New CCO possible. Thanks so much for joining us. <laughs>